Hello, my name is Jess Lindley and this is Arthur's Heroes, the podcast from Arthur's Place, the magazine and social network for young adults with arthritis. You can find us at arthursplace.co.uk and follow Arthur's Place on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. This podcast is supported by Novartis UK. We are grateful to Novartis for their support, but they have no influence over the content of the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Arthur's Place podcast where today I'm talking to Lee. Hi Lee. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. So uh, we'll jump straight in. Um, Tell us a bit about your story. When did you get your diagnosis? Um, What are you doing in your life? Fill us in on the background. Right. Well, my sort of journey is a bit complicated. When I was born, I had uh, club feet quite badly. So according to one of my biomechanics, that's caused issues, complications to my current um, arthritis. Um, When I was 11, I almost lost my right leg below the knee in a cycling accident. Oh gosh. Just just a freak accident. I just happened to turn on on a gravel slope. The bike slid out from under me and the pedal sort of almost cut my leg off. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> For just, you know, just as an afternoon cycle ride. Yeah, it kind of is. So they were going to, as I say, they were going to amputate. But my mother was a nurse and she was friends with the head of the orthopedics department. I I went to school with some of his kids. So, you know, there there was an intern who was basically like, this has to come off. And she said, no, I want a second opinion. So then I got, obviously from that quite severe trauma, I got osteoarthritis. And they think that maybe that kind of started to kick things off. I had a DVT as well. So I, while I was in the cast, because they had to do surgery to sort of try to put everything back together and they had to fuse my ankle and all that sort of lovely nonsense. <laughs> but I had a DVT as well, which they aspirated, so so they sucked it out. But while my leg was in the cast, I got something called post-thrombetic syndrome. So that kind of killed off the nerves and some of the tissue. And so frankly, it might have been better if they had taken the leg off because it's caused me nothing but problems ever since. So sort of that was the real beginning of my arthritis journey. So I was quite young, but then I started to get symptoms of, you know, my hands started to hurt, my knees would hurt. And I just, you know, I didn't really think anything of it until I was at university and I I fell down some stairs. (laughs) And I hadn't, I hadn't been drinking or anything. Um, I was on campus a week early and I was applying for a job. I know I, I probably seem like a, a really a basket case a little bit. <laughs> um, but so I felt and I hurt that same ankle. I was going to say, you don't have the best luck in the world, do you? <laughs> I don't really. It's awful. Um, it's, a, it's, a kind of a, it's a kind of a running joke in my family. And I have to laugh about it now, otherwise I'll cry. So, yeah, so that same ankle got really badly damaged again. I mean, to, to be honest, the nice thing that turned out of it is where, where I had to have um, my physical therapy, my physio, was with the, because uh, obviously I went to university in America, um, I was with the the men's football team, so I'm, I wasn't going to complain. <laughs> so at least that was the, a plus out of it. <laughs> 
but you know the 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 um doctor who sorted me out in the emergency room you know she was looking at my uh x-rays and she was saying she was remarked at how much arthritis was in my ankle and i was probably 20 at the time and she was looking at me and looking at the x-ray thinking this is not somebody your age shouldn't have this and that's why i had to explain what had happened and she said wow that's why we're going to have some issues now so yeah so it was it that was already set in stone that i was going to have problems um but then obviously um when i was i think i must have been about 28 or 29 when i was diagnosed with well or the first inklings of having an inflammatory type of arthritis um i don't think i actually was diagnosed with ra until i was probably early to mid 30s and that was when i came over here I, I got the diagnosis it was just kind of like well what what do we do and to be honest um i had a great rheumatologist but i think at the time it was just take a lot of ibuprofen yeah i wasn't i wasn't offered any specific rheumatoid drugs or anything it was just take take copious amounts of ibuprofen and then to be honest then people would comment about you know you probably have a hole in your stomach from taking and i just thought oh do you know what that's that there's a great there's a great saying that when michael j fox came out about his parkinson and i i've kind of adopted this because he just said well it's just my bag of hammers everybody has a different size bag of hammers that they're going to have to carry around with them and mine just happens to be a big one and i thought yeah i think i have a pretty big bag of hammers as well so i thought that was a good way to explain to people you know that it's just my problem and and i'm just going to have to figure out how to deal with it do you think that do you think that everything that you've been through already cuz you haven't had the uh, the easiest of of journeys um do you think that that has helped you kind of toughen up to getting that kind of diagnosis or were you just like not another thing this can't be happening to me um no i, I was just kind of like oh okay you know well at least at least i know what to call it yeah add that to the list yeah i wasn't i wasn't shocked or anything i was just like okay what do we what do we do now okay um so and it wasn't even like relief like oh it finally has a name because I, I think i kind of knew mm-hmm that, that I was going towards that. Okay. Um, so, and I just think because arthritis is for as long as I can remember, arthritis has been part of my life. Yeah. So it's just another. So to, to, to just, yeah, to just be told, well, you've got another kind. I'm like, well, welcome to the family. Join the club. Yeah. It's, it's not like I can do anything about it. I can't make it go away. So I might as well, might as well just embrace it. Oh, that's very true. And, and, and the thing is, I don't want to be my my diagnosis yeah i i i don't want to be my arthritis i'm me and i just happen to have some arthritis and i have more than just those two i have some more as well yeah. so i just you know making a little happy family of arthritis so what you what what can you do what what doesn't kill you makes you stronger so well you've definitely not let it stop you so um obviously i know what you've done since but uh would you just like to explain to our listeners um about the archery and where that has taken you yes so um when, when i was talking about that bag of hammers yeah i i just took up archery i i did it when i was a kid okay um and then you know other things interested me and i just and it wasn't kind of cool back then to do it so but then i was kind of going through a tough time in my life and i just thought 
I need a reason to get out of the house. Yeah. I need, and I want to meet people, all kinds of people, families, older people, you know, no, no one's specific, but I want to be in a really diverse group of people. And I just thought, well, what did I used to do that I liked that was that's out an outside thing? And I just thought, oh, yeah, archery. I thought, okay, so I'll look around and... Luckily enough, there was an archery club not too far from where I lived, and I was in London at the time. Um, So I went and, you know, to this day, some of my best friends are from when I first started archery. So that's a really lovely thing. And I did meet all kinds of people, kids, elderly people. It was great and and very diverse, and it made it really interesting. And people... you know, as you, as you go through and you do it more and you practice more and you can do local tournaments. So, you know, even at, even within your own club, like on a, a Sunday, we might shoot around against each other and somebody wins a bag of sweets or something like that. And then you can, you know, maybe go to a, a club versus club competition and there's indoor competitions and outdoor competitions and for all different types of bows. And I remember the first time somebody said, Let, let's go as a, as a club, let's go to this indoor shoot. And I was a bit nervous and something, but I was, I was absolutely giddy when I was there because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so great. It's so exciting. And look at, there's like, you know, okay, within the archery world, I'm like, look at those celebrities. Okay, you know, the yeah. normal, normal people aren't going to look at it that way. But within the sport, you were going, I'm thinking, oh, I'm on a target next to them. Oh, my God. Number one, they're really good looking. And <laughs> two, they're a really good archer. So I'm just like, and then I, and then as we were walking down to the target to collect our arrows, we kind of just looked over at each other. And we both had purple accessories. And, and, he just gave me a nod as a nice choice. I'm like, (gasps) fangirling, fangirling. So I just thought, well, this is really fun. So then I I worked my way up from local ones, county ones to doing national ones. And I, you know, I got different coaches that could help me. And I happened to be at a national competition. And I was approached by someone who was on the the, the para archery team and we'd known each other off of an, an archery an online archery forum so we got to meet each other in person and her husband was her coach and she just said well why don't you go to the talent id because of your disability and i'm like i'm not i'm not disabled what are you talking about and they're like well we've been watching you it was a two-day shoot we've been watching all weekend and they're like you are disabled and i'm like I'm like, no, I just have rheumatoid arthritis. And they're like, that is classified as a disability. I'm like, no, it's my bag of hammers. It's just my bag of hammers. It doesn't affect anyone, just me. And they're like smacking their foreheads against their hands going, listen to us because we've been doing this a while. We know what we're talking about. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know if I'm good enough. You know, so you, you start doubting yourself. You're just thinking, and they're like, no, you should. So it just so happened I know the person who was organizing the Talent ID Day. So it was a friend of my coach. So I rang her up, and I was very nervous, and I was just making excuses, saying, oh, you don't want me, you don't want me, I'm not good enough. And they're just like, quiet. Just come. You get a free weekend at the National Sporting Center. So if nothing else... You get to do that. You'll have fun. Yeah. So yeah. I thought, oh, okay, so I'll go. So so th- there were lots of other people there, and you have to go in with the classifier. And she was the head of 
classification for the International Paralympic Committee. Wow. So for for national level, she could classify you, but for international, you have to have someone from another country so you're not cheating. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So so they left me until last, and I just thought, oh, is that because they don't they don't think I'll classify? And I thought, okay, well, I'm here. So I went in with her and she just said, well, we left you for last because it's going to take a long time because you're, you've got, you're complicated. And because it's not obvious what you have, I need to check, you know, your whole body out. So I thought, okay. So it did. It took a long time. She was really good. She explained everything. She was very, you know, there, you have to sign a waiver when you have, when you're internationally classified saying we could cause you some discomfort. Yeah. Now, and you, you, if you want to be classified, you have to sign that. But to be honest, she was, she explained everything she was going to do before. And so I didn't necessarily, I mean, yes, there's discomfort because you have arthritis. So you, you're, it's what you're used to. So there was nothing on top of that. So that made me, that, that was good. You know, I was a bit worried, you know, what is she going to do? Is she going to grab me and manhandle me? But it wasn't at all like that. And so once she was done, she sat me down, she said, you know, come out here into the office. And I just thought, oh, this is it. She's going to break my heart right now. Um, and she said, no, you're actually right now today, you are actually in the most disabled category. Ah. And, and I just thought, how? Because I know somebody who has um, a very high spinal cord injury how can I be in the same class? And she said, it's not necessarily about your spinal cord. It's about how many of your limbs are affected. Ah, I see. So she said, all of your limbs are affected. Mm -hmm. So that's why. And, and there's also a scale. So, so they give, they, they give a, I can't, I can't remember if it's 180 points is quote unquote normal, a normally functioning body. And then they start to take away points. If you can't move your joints, in in the because not all joints are 360 so whatever percentage of yeah. joint is meant to move you get then it goes down by you know each bit that you can't go so you could have if you can't move your joint at all that's zero mm -hmm. if it's perfectly functioning that's five so then whatever in between so my ankles were almost zero because obviously i've had a fused ankle yeah um but then she was like, you know, she's like, when we're done here, she said, you need to go and um, to speak to your GP. She's like, because I'm really concerned about your your left knee. She's like, it feels like jelly to me. Oh, and I'm like, really? I said, I've never had any pain. And she's like, I don't care. It's not right. Because she she basically had had a, oh, I don't know, 40 year career dealing with injured soldiers who would come back with injuries. So she'd been the physio. So she even knew, she said, I know you've been having muscle spasms in your right leg and your right ankle all day. I said, who told you? She said, nobody, I, nobody needs to tell me. I can tell by the way you're walking. Wow. So she's really like experienced. That's right. So, um, yeah, so I just thought, oh, and so they're like, well, you know, as far as we're concerned, you, you know, you do classify. So we'll just have to take it from there. And I think that the coach was a bit dumbstruck because I think he thought there's no way because yeah to look at me and because I'm enthusiastic and you know I, I've learned 
over the years to pace myself. Mm-hmm. I, used to be, I used to be terrible. I would just go all out because, you know, I'm having fun. I'm not thinking about what it's going to do to my body tomorrow. And then I'd hit a wall and I'd be like, can somebody help me walk? Because, yeah, I've gone way too far and now I can't even stand up. Okay, so you you got selected, obviously. Um, tell us about actually competing. What was that like? Right, well... Um, in the run-up to so you have to do um within you within the gb squad you have to compete against your friends basically yeah. your teammates yeah to you know because there's only so many spaces and we had some of the worst weather to compete in i mean it was freezing cold and you know it was sort of like april early may so we we were unlucky and it was very physically taxing and then once you do get selected, so I finished second overall, and we had two places. Oh, gosh. And and, and I thought, well, they won't, because the second one isn't um, guaranteed. The first one, if you if you place first, you are guaranteed. Yeah. If you're, if you're second, it's coach's discretion. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, there, have been, there are people who have been to other games. They'll pick those people, you know, because they finished just behind me. So I just thought I didn't really have any hope. So... I, in fact, found out I was the last person to be notified that I got selected. And because it was so late, I thought, well, that's it. I've not been picked. Otherwise, they would have called me right away. And so when the when the um, when they told me, I, I just said, is, is this, are you calling the right person? Because I just assumed because wow. it's so late in the day. But once you get chosen, then you you have to knuckle down. And it's, there's a, there's a lot of training to do. And what I didn't realize while I was doing all this training, I mean, I knew, I knew something, I couldn't sort of get in the right position at one point. And I just thought, well, what's, what's wrong? Am I doing something wrong? Can somebody watch me? Cause something here is not right, but I didn't know what it was. I, I wasn't necessarily in pain. I just knew that I couldn't get my body into the position I'd normally been able to get get it into um and it turns out at the games i'd been competing and i was injured and i didn't i didn't know it but because we were doing so much more training and shooting than we would normally do and at times of the day that i wouldn't normally choose to do because it's too damp yeah would affect my joints but you don't have a choice of course yeah um and so so you just did that and you know i didn't i didn't shoot um, in the qualification rounds where you get placed so that when you do your head to heads, you know, I, I was near, almost last, I was maybe two or three, you know, to the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it felt better than what it was, but it was the, out of the time that we were competing, it was the one rainy cold day. So which Olympics did you actually go to? So that was 2012 in London. That was, oh, you competed in London. Yeah, wow. In London, yeah. Yeah. So, so like great. on home turf kind of. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, amazing. Ah, yeah, brilliant. So I mean, some people think tra- traveling is really good, but a home there's nothing like a home games. No, no, and also I can imagine that when you're competing in the Paralympics, if you've got something like arthritis, it's actually better in a way to not have to travel. Exactly. Because yeah. then you don't wear yourself out. But, but you do well, anyway. Yeah, you do anyway, <laughs> but you don't wear yourself out before you start it. Yeah, exactly. Well, you don't wear yourself out on top of the training. Um, did you ever feel when you were at the Paralympics that, because obviously you've said yourself, you know, you were surprised to be selected, you were surprised by 
the kind of categorization that you were given um, because arthritis is essentially an invisible illness yeah. in many ways. Um, did you ever feel kind of like I'm in the wrong place, like people are kind of judging me for being here and I don't feel like I should? No, to be honest, because I never hid my arthritis. I actually wanted to talk about it because I wanted people to know it, it's not what you think it is because people, you know, people say, oh, oh, I've got arthritis in my little finger. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, well, um, it's not a competition, but I have it pretty much everywhere. Yeah. You know, so I wish, you know, and, you know, I have a blue badge. Yeah. Um, so the amount of times where I thought, is somebody going to give me trouble because they'll look at me and they won't think anything's wrong. But maybe, maybe I look like, maybe I actually do look like there's something that I have something because nobody's ever come up and said, why have you got a blue badge? So it must show somehow. Okay. Um, I know because a lot of people, when you first meet them, when they find out and they'll just do a cursory look at you, they'll think, how are you disabled? And I said, you just, you, you don't know me. Yeah. You've not spent time yeah. with me. Spend some time with me and then you'll know, you know, and it won't take you long to go, okay, now I'm, now I'm seeing the signs, mm -hmm. you know, if you just kind of glance at somebody it, because it's not, I'm not bent. I'm not missing a piece. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. And I do know people with indivisible disabilities who have been harassed because they get out of the car in a blue badge bay. And, you know, you shouldn't be judging other people because you, just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it doesn't yeah. exist. Um, so Well, exactly. But while I was at the games, everybody knew, you know, everybody knew my issues. You know, and they'd seen the, the worst sides of it. So I, I didn't feel like I didn't belong there. I'm sure that's maybe some people who were spectating maybe wondered, well, what's wrong with that person? Um, yeah. But to be honest, para-athletes are quite open about talking about it because we want to, you know, educate people and we want to raise awareness. So if somebody came up to me and said, well, what is your problem? I would be happy to talk to them. Because, you know, if I, if I choose to wear trousers because I don't want to show off how what my leg looks like from when I had my accident and and everything, but, you know, and f f in the beginning, that was because I just didn't want to have to field those questions because it made me feel bad about myself. But going on from there, it, what I actually found out was that skin burns really badly. So if you're doing archery, it's better to keep it covered up because even factor 50, that leg is going to burn because that skin's has has issues so it was actually yeah. better for me and also if i'm wearing compression socks and things so that my legs don't swell up well who wants to see compression sock you know not that i care if somebody saw it but i'm just like i might as well just wear trousers i don't want to wear shorts i'm not comfortable in it but it's just i don't I just don't feel like where I'm quite happy in, in a pair of trousers. So, and there's, there's other issues that need to be considered. So I could, I could pull my trousers leg up and go, well, there you go. There's some of it. You know, if you looked at my knuckles, you could see it. You look at my toes and feet, you can see it. Those things, you know, okay, your hands are on show, but how much do people actually really look at your hands? No, I suppose they're too busy looking at the arrow and seeing where that's going, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. No, I was, I, no, I was just going to say that there's also lots of things that 
um, as far as archery is concerned, um, like for instance, the tab that you use, which touches the string, um, most people just have a piece of leather um. and then a piece of suede backing it. Um, or some, sometimes they get something, it's called um, Vocalin, and it's like a, a, like a rubbery material. It's just so that it, you're, it goes smoothly when you're loosing the string. But it, it was really hurting my joints. And I just thought, well, how can I do this? And I'm going to need to do a lot of it. So um, I, I got a thin bit of, I guess it's like foam. It just came in a sheet. And it's just a thin bit. And I put it in between those two to just give me a bit of cushion. And I'm like, okay, that's better. And it doesn't seem to be affecting my arrows. So I will do that. So there's there were little invisible things that I would do that just that helps me get through that um, because any sort of um, proper medical device or aid has to be checked. Yeah. So some of that might be illegal. So something like a bit of foam, the, the judges will check my will check check my tab to make sure it's legal, and I had it checked many many times before to make sure it was legal. So, but but having things like wrist splints, you have to be careful about putting those on because if they're if they're not pre-approved and say you you've practiced for weeks in them and then suddenly you can't use them, that's going to affect how you're doing it. Yeah. So there's lots of, so there's lots of little things that we do for ourselves. I had a pair of, of um, insoles made because I knew I, I, I shoot, I, I perch on a stool. Oh, I see. So you don't have to stand up the whole time because I was wondering about that. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, I got that approved that when I was classified, they check your balance and things like that. And they basically said, well, you sway so much when you're standing that it's actually dangerous. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have fallen over into pe- into the next archer and we could bo- both have gotten very injured. Yeah, you've got to think of the safety of everybody else, haven't you, as well as person That's competing. Right. So they said, well, it's better if you perch on a stool. But because your feet are on the ground, that... In 2012, we still had three categories. We don't have that many categories anymore. They've, they've switched things up a bit. So there was a, a standing category, a wheelchair category. Um, and then with the, with the other bow types, there was also a W1, which is that's the most disabled category, which I was originally in. So I, at that point, I could have used a wheelchair. Um, and in fact, for London, I was in the wheelchair in the wheelchair category, but because I don't use a wheelchair on a day-to-day basis, I didn't want to shoot for a wheelchair because I just thought the the stool is doing a good enough job. I'm I feel more comfortable with that because I do kind of still want to have my feet on the ground because I get that feedback. So I just thought, well, even though I'm disabled enough to be in the wheelchair category you can you can shoot above your category you just can't shoot below it so you said that obviously you were being categorized and everyone was saying oh you're the you're the most disabled and prior to that you kind of didn't really think that you know it had never occurred to you that that was something you could do um because you thought it was just your bag of hammers and that's just kind of how life was for you did you have to kind of make a sort of like a mental adjustment to to get on board with the whole idea of competing in the Paralympics or was it was it fairly easy for you it was easy once I basically realized that at the time 
that inflammatory arthritis was an accepted disability and the fact that when I was classified, they were telling me you're in the most disabled category. Well, I said, well, there's, there's clearly scientific medical things to back it up. Yeah. So I just thought, well, cool. Yeah. Then I can, I can do this. Okay, great. Let's, let's okay. Thank you. Um, it's you a know, silver so, lining, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, the worst bit, to be honest, came after London. Okay. Um, because in 2013, at, it was at the World Champs, and I wasn't there because I was cut from from the team right after London. It's simply um, something to do with funding, because we didn't we didn't meet our goal, so the sport didn't get the funding we expected. So I was the last person on squad. So of course I was the first off. Yeah. So in that time when I was trying to get my scores up so that I could get back onto squad, because they basically said, well, the door's open, you get those scores, you can come back. But in 2013, there was the world champs in um, Thailand and GB decided to, they were going to, they were going to have a rule change. So GB decided to be the first country that had its athletes reclassified and a lot of people on squad lost their classifications which meant they couldn't compete internationally and in fact one of our best archers was declassified so that next february in 2014 they called up everybody else including me and it was the most degrading humiliating thing i have ever been through and I'd been through a lot of classifications because I had to be reclassified on a regular basis because because arthritis can change. Yeah. So so, you know, and I understood that, and I was reclassified by people I had been classified by for years, but they you could you could tell there was a hit list, or certainly that's what it felt like, um, that the people who were had hidden disabilities seemed to be all the ones who were declassified. And there's all, I'm not going to get into it here, but there's all kinds of rumors to why this happened. Mm -hmm. um, but the people who had classified me for years, they just seemed like different people. And I just thought, what is going on here? And the, the comments I was getting, you know, and it, things weren't explained either. There were some balance tests, but they weren't actually part of the classification. They were just being trialed to see should they be okay so they were kind of using you as guinea pigs exactly hmm. and so so they were saying do things like do you know if you've seen on tv like if somebody gets pulled over and they have to put one foot in front of the other on a line yeah you know if they're if they're drunk or something like that well they made us do something like that and i just thought you know i haven't done this since i was a kid i don't know if i can i don't know if i can actually do that and i had, i stood there for a while going can i use my walking stick can i hold somebody's and they're like no 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 and i said well can you at least stand by me because i don't want to fall yeah exactly and they're they're like they're like yes but you can't hold on to us and i'm like okay how am i going to do this i literally was having to think of the process because my body wouldn't naturally do it mm. and i just thought how am i going to actually do this so I'm like trying to slide my foot and they're like, no, 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 you have to lift your foot off the ground. And of course I stumbled and nearly fell. And then I got the comment of what were you drinking for breakfast? And I just thought, what? Oh, that's rude. Why, why would you say something like that? And, you know, um, you know, I'm not the slimmest person in the world. And while, while the, one of the classifiers was, I was sitting on a plinth and while the classifier was like checking my knee and my ankle, he poked my belly 
and said, that's not a disability. <gasps> oh my God. I started crying. I'm just like, oh. and, and luckily the assistant was saying, you can't do that to an athlete. No. You cannot say that. You cannot touch them like that. You can't do that to anybody. Well, exactly. Now, the thing is, since then, a lot of the classifiers were really upset about this because it didn't just happen in my sport. It happened in lots of sports and in lots of countries. So a lot of the classifiers went to the International Paralympic Committee and just said, we're unhappy about this. Let, we need a completely new rewrite of the rules. Now, you know, the, um, the chief classifier I was t telling you about earlier. Yes. She was forced to retire because she's very inclusive and they didn't want to be inclusive. So they got rid of her, which was heartbreaking because she pretty much made up the rules that we knew. And we loved her because she was really, really inclusive and she knew her stuff as well. Um, so for us, it was, you know, it, everything was changing and it felt like it was changing for the worse. So, you know, after 2012, they were, everybody was talking about oh, all this legacy. Well, I didn't see any of it. I didn't, I, none of it happened to me. So it was, that was actually post games was very, very difficult time for me. And I kind of thought, well, I, I thought this was going to be my career for the rest of my life. You know, I thought I was going to be an athlete, which is something I never thought. And I was like so proud of somebody who's, who'd always struggled to do physical things. And now I actually have a, you know, I'm doing it and people are looking up to me. And I just thought, wow, this is really special. And then to suddenly have it all taken away and I've lost my identity. And I just thought, well, what what am I supposed to do? Who am I? I? I don't even know anymore. So then I kind of got in my, I just decided, do you know what? Why is there not an arthritis games? <laughs> that would be fabulous. <laughs> well, every other disability has one. How come we don't have one? <laughs> so, I, so I was on social media talking about it a lot saying, I want to do this. I don't know how to do it, but I want to do this. This is really, before I die, I want to, there to be an arthritis games. Um, and it just so happens that um, somebody from arthritis action charity kind of reached out to me as I was posting this and they said, well, why don't you, you know, we kind of like the way you're talking. Why don't you come to our AGM? Uh, they used to be called the arthritic society and they had had a relaunch in 2015. So it was their relaunch at their AGM. So they said, come to London cause we'd love to meet you. And I thought, Oh, great. And I mean, when I was in that AGM, I was almost in tears because I thought I am in a room full of people who get it. Everybody gets me and my problems because everybody here has them, or at least they understand them. And everybody's looking toward the same goal of, you know, educating people about arthritis and helping people with arthritis live really active, healthy lives. And I just thought, felt like I was in the motherland. <laughs> <laughs> so are we going to have an arthritis games anytime soon? Well, probably, probably not anytime soon, oh, but I'm, I, but I'm working on it. Good. Good for you. <laughs> well, I will just say that you've competed in the Paralympics. So compared to me and compared to a lot of people out there, you most definitely are an athlete. Um, and I look forward to the arthritis games. Just one last really quick question. How did you find out about Arthur's Place and how's this community been important to you over the past few years? Um, I, I think I was through Facebook. Yeah. It's, it'll def definitely through social media because I love social media. It is such a great way to connect with people from yes, so many definitely. places. So, and I, and I just think 
having that community for some people who who don't know where to turn or maybe are not getting the care that they deserve and they just feel hopeless and helpless and, and they don't know what to do there's somebody at at the end of their computer or their laptop or you know um who they can talk to who understands what they're going through yeah and may have already been through the same thing and can give them suggestions on what to do and and that's you know one of the reasons i loved finding this charity because now i'm a support group leader for the charity oh wow because because i didn't have any of that support and i just thought well i am you know i should use the you know my I'm not afraid to talk to people. I should use my background as a, an athlete, especially when they took arthritis away as a disability for my sport, and which is why I wanted to start in arthritis games. And I just thought, well, you know, I feel like I, what do I do? And I thought, well, that's what I can do. I can do something and I will reach out to people. And I've met so many people who felt like I did at one time maybe even worse than I felt. And now I feel like I can be an example to say, well, if I can do it, you can do it. And, and, and that's, you know, now that's the one thing I, you know, I love doing. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your really fascinating story with us. <laughs> and uh, I look forward to the arthritis games in the future. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> bye. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Arthur's Heroes. For more podcasts, information and access to loads of great content for young adults with arthritis, please visit arthursplace.co.uk. You can also find other young adults to chat to in the Arthur's Place social Facebook group. Follow Arthur's Place on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and find out more about Codeword Pineapple, the pin badge for people with an invisible disability at codewordpineapple.org.uk. Thank you to Novartis UK for their support in the production of this podcast.